This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DTV Digest. I'm your host, Mike Parkin, and joining me tonight is Richard Hawes. Hello, I'll be here for just a little bit. <laughs> and Stephen Lockridge. Hello, I'll be here for a lot. He'll be here for the lot. On tonight's (laughs) show, we're going to kick off with the latest film to be released from Shudder called They Live in the Grey. Then we have Cold Vengeance, Control, When the Screaming Starts, and Witness Infection. Uh, Our short shot this week is No Disintegrations. And our DTV throwback is the John Cusack film The Numbers Station. So without further ado... Let's crack on. Our first film tonight, then, is They Live in the Grey. A social worker with clairvoyant powers soon realises the parental abuse case she is working has supernatural overtones and may have to face her own fears, self-doubt and abilities in order to save a young girl's life. Okay. Um, Latest film to be released from Shudder, the Shudder original being released through uh, Acorn onto DVD. Um, I I did enjoy this. It's not scary at all, unfortunately. I, I wish there was something actually scary in it. Um, and it is, is too long for its own good. But I have to admit, the last 30 minutes, it did step up a gear and actually give us something decent. Uh, the rest of it sort of wallows a little bit. But it's, it's it's all very well produced as far as I can see as well you know as, as far as I'm concerned um it was engaging um I, I just wish our main character actually did something for a lot of the running time but anyway um shades of the sixth sense here Steve yeah um to be honest I I, I do agree with you um it's far too long it's too meandering um but I thought the performances were great. I mean, especially there's like a scene about halfway through where mm. her husband discuss them, what's going on with them and stuff like that. And I thought, mm. you know, that was really well done. And the family of them, you know, the mother, the other family, I thought it was really well done. But it is it is just a bit too slow. And they could easily have cut it down, got it to 90 minutes, and I think it would have been a lot tighter and better mm-hmm. film. Um, but, yeah, it's really well shot, really well done. It, you're right, it isn't scary. There's a couple of wincy bits in it, mm-hmm. um, especially the one at the dinner table. That really <laughs> that got me, <laughs> to be fair. Oh, with the knife? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was really, that was really good, actually. I enjoyed that. <laughs> and like the very last bit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that was good. But yeah, it, it isn't scary, but it, it was decent. I, mean, I was very surprised with the 18 rating, to be fair. Um, yeah, where did that come from? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a lot worse in, you know, a lot of recent 15s and stuff like that. It, yeah. But yeah, it was, it just needed to be tighter and, and shorter, I think. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, Rich, what did you make of They Live in the Grey? 
I was a bit intimidated by the uh, or off put by the by the two hour running time. Mm. Uh, so, so, but uh, I I did really like it, and I do I I can see why it's so long, and that's because it's trying to fit so much in. It's trying to be several things all at once and it does as steve says because of that it kind of meanders around and it's like a bit unfocused um it, it, to an ex you know in one side it's the you know the other yeah, sixth sense was exactly what came to my mind it is a very sixth mm -hmm. sensey kind of story yeah uh horror sort of ghosts and, and stuff like that but then on the flip side of that it's it's a character portrait uh, it's uh, it's about dealing with grief it's very very on the it's a it's it's heavy drama basically mm -hmm. for a lot of it uh, and to and uh, in in addition to the, her story it's kind of the the story of her relationship so there's a kind of a scene to a marriage kind of thing going on as well mm -hmm. and then you've got all the um uh, the investigation uh, you know the sort of casework that she's doing which is all, which put me in mind because I saw it recently it put me in mind of poltergeist there's mm -hmm. some similar kind of poltergeisty kind so imagine the characters from instead of the focusing on the family, you know, the people who come in, in in the movie Poltergeist and do the investigation in the house, you know, it's a bit like that or The Conjuring or something. But the thing with this one is it's a caseworker. And I like the, what they try to do is they're trying to deal with a supernatural situation in a world, in a sort of a realistic situation where nobody's yeah. going to take that seriously. Absolutely. So, so th that, that itself causes problems, you know, in addition to the sort of, uh, supernatural problem they've got the real world you know uh con consequences of you know if they if they tell them the truth they're just gonna just think they're barking mad and stuff so yeah. i quite yeah. like that but the yeah the central uh the other thing that's really interesting is it's an, uh, an asian american couple which mm. you don't see many uh you know even these days you, you don't see a lot of mainstream film I mean, shang chi and, and whatever are, are very sort of uh, crazy rich Asian, you know they're exceptions aren't they yeah so and this mm. is a fairly standard kind of genre film uh and drama but uh yeah so it's it's got all those different elements at play so although everything in it is quite familiar and there's a you know it's, it's even things like you know, i was thinking about um the the short film kickstart my heart that we watched at the fighting spirit film festival which is again mm -hmm. it's about uh, dealing with sort of a trauma kind of thing and in this 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 character you know there's some psychological elements but a lot of it's you know, sort of real world um but she's having sort of hallucinations or or um, visions or, or you know dreams mm. that she's encountering kind of stuff and trying to work through things and she's lock she's she's keeping it all bottled up inside would i have preferred it sort of picking one side or the other to to sort of be on um i think the blend doesn't quite work two hours is too much to to try and do all this i think if it had just been that sort of sixth sensey story, it would have been a bit, it wouldn't have been distinctive enough. I think if I had to pick one, I would have gone with sort of sidelining the supernatural, you know, sort of um, the subplot, you know, involving the family, sideline that and just really focus on her story and the, the, the husband, you know, her and the, her husband and, and their grief. And, you know, because that is, that's one of those things where it's a very formulaic story where they withhold all the information and you're getting little mm. crumbs as you go along and then before the sort of mm. reveal. And, and then the, the, there's, you say it gets really exciting at the end, you know, it's how the camera work kind of went crazy. Yeah. Almost mm. like a, almost like a James Wan or, or, or something, you know, the, mm. the camera, the, the, the whole camera style, changes when they go this sort of 
oh we've got it almost feels like a, oh we've got to do a we've got to do like a hollywood twisty kind of conclusion to it and it all got um i didn't really like the camera work in that whole section and i i thought it was interesting what they were going for but mm -hmm. i did prefer the you know the cinematography of the rest of the film and that was quite, i found that actually more jarring than i know they were doing it as a stylistic thing to s support the turn of events mm -hmm. uh, and you know but um, for me that was just a bit off-putting i didn't really like that very much but uh, yeah I th I, this really surprised me i it was it wasn't what at all i was expecting i was very and overall i was very impressed by it especially the performance uh, from the uh, from the uh, lead actress michelle krushek michelle krushek and uh, mm -hmm. and the guy playing and ken kirby playing her husband mm -hmm. as well um yeah it's um it's 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 definitely, uh, I think you've got to know what you're getting into because, well, I don't know, actually, it is also because I didn't know what I was getting into and I found it quite a pleasant surprise. So yeah, I think you could go either way. I think some people will be quite off put by the drama, but I think if you sort of buy into that and you can get past the, the similarities to The Sixth Sense, mm. which are way too plenty, which, you know, it, it's very, very similar to, in, in a, in, to, mm. a, to, to a large degree. Um, there, well, there's, there's, really yeah, good. I mean, the, the main the main thing, obviously, is the fact that, you know, she is inadvertently attracting these spirits to her through her mm. abilities, you know. Um, yes, which is all kind but, of stuff we've seen pl play in various other things. So well, they're not doing yeah. anything novel. Chiefly, yeah. chiefly novel. Not, not, on, not only um, not only The Sixth Sense, but there's mm. a whole whole series called The Ghost oh, Whisperer with um, Jennifer oh, Love. God, yeah. Oh, which yeah. is exactly this. That, you I've know. never watched that, actually. Uh, yeah. Well, well, funny enough, that's where she. That's kind of how the film ends, you know. Exactly. Her, yeah, you know, it's, it, it kind of becomes that, yeah. that kind of yeah, her yeah. accepting her destinyish yeah, exactly. sort of thing. <clears throat> yeah. But the, yeah, so, so so that is kind of very much like the Sixth Sense as well. In, in that, mm. you know, I think I think it's Bruce Willis's character turns around to Haley Joel Osment and goes, "Have you ever asked them what they're there for?" You know, mm. so it's only then when he's you know he's, he's able to help that girl. Was murdered by a mother-in-law. Spoilers, <laughs> spoilers for an ancient film. Um, but um, yes. Yeah, so, How so, did you so, feel like, about the way the plot? Because the way the put film is put together, mm. it hops to and fro time zones. Time. Oh, we got we, we we got a worse one for yeah. that later, later on. But um, mm. no, this this one wasn't too bad for that. To be honest, I think um, if you're paying attention, it was quite easy to follow yeah. because you're like, right, she's clearly in a different sort of position here yeah, it's, and, it's there, a, and he's there when he wouldn't be there and, stuff exactly. and you go right okay I, I can see we're in a flashback situation now. yeah believe me rich we got another yeah. film later on which is even worse for, for, <laughs> for, for, for jumping around um but anyway yes I, I i did enjoy this and i i did enjoy the way it turned things on its head mm -hmm. um you know i guess it gets to a certain point and yeah i, I, I the funny thing is you know, our, our main character, Claire, is, you know, she, she remains true to herself for most of the film in that she is scared. She is scared yeah. of, you know, mm. she, she she's suffering from, you know, what happened with her son. And she's scared of this, of what's happening to her. She sees the curse. So even when, you know, the mother of the, the girl turns around to her and goes, can you help us? We really, you know, we, we know about your abilities. Can you get in contact with this ghost and help us sort of thing? She's like, no, <laughs> you know, and then eventually mm. she says yes. But even then it's like two or three days 
you know, days pass. She said after she said, yeah. "Yeah, I'll help," and she's done fuck all. You know. Oh yeah. yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of reluctance, which is a yeah. bit. It, which, which is, is why, which is why unusual, that thing happens. You know, yeah. the, 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 there's a certain thing, which is suddenly very proactive. Mm. You know, which I thought was, you know, when you think about it, it goes, yeah, it's like, well, if nobody else is going to do something, I've got to do something, uh, which, which, and, and sort of spurs her interaction, which, which, um, yeah, it's, it's quite unique in that in that respect, I think. Um, okay, so scores on the doors, Steve. I'll give it a six. Mm-hmm. I'm giving it a seven, and Rich. I feel inclined to give it an eight. I think it's aiming, a, um, perhaps aiming to you know biting off more than it can chew. But I, I admire yeah. the uh, the effort, mm-hmm. and I think there's there's so much in here to enjoy and and sink your teeth into. I, I really liked that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no problem at all. Uh, this is directed by Abel and Burley Vang. Yeah, the Vang brothers. Um, the Vang yeah. brothers. They. Um, Bedeviled was one of them. Oh, and what lies ones. below is. Uh, yeah, I think they produced that one rather than directing yeah, it. Yes, that's but, right. Yeah. But yeah, they've done a yeah, they interesting duo. Hollywood sure. Chaos, which I don't know. I don't know much about that one. Mm-hmm. Certainly. But um, again, you know, um, a pair to keep an eye on. Mm. Okay, so that's a six, a seven, and an eight for They Live in the Grey out on DVD, also on Shudder. Go check it out. Our next review is Cold Vengeance. Two small-town couples find themselves caught up in a game of death at the hands of a vicious gang after they discover a mysterious box buried long ago. Um, I alluded to this film, uh, Steve, in our earlier review because, oh my God, this just jumps all over the place. Yeah. it definitely has artistic pretensions, this one. And I did enjoy it. I did like this a lot. But at the same time, I think it's a missed opportunity um, in, in, in certain regards. Yeah. Um, there's a particular character in this, played by Kayla Mayer, uh, who's the detective. And we see yeah. her early on, you know, sort of ice blonde hair, very sort of steely eyes. And she has this brilliant introduction where she sort of pulls the car over on this sort of snowy field and is scanning the horizon. And there's, you know, no dialogue because she's on her own. But it is just a really brilliant introduction for this character. And the film wastes her completely. You know, she's playing right. ca- catch up throughout the whole thing. To be honest, I felt like I was as well. It, I don't think I like this as much as you, to be honest. Mm. I just thought it was so disjointed. And I know I know mm. people say, you know, like, show, don't tell, yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, like, um, Mark Kermode says it quite a lot and stuff like that. But with this, nothing's explained. I don't... I, it, it was just so frustrating because, like you say, there's something there, hmm. but nothing seems to connect to anything else. And it, 
nothing, there's, there's hardly any dialogue. I think the only person who speaks is Simon Phillips, to be fair. Yeah. We'll come He's on to Simon only... in a minute, yeah. So, so well, this is, I mean, this is interesting as well. So as the, because, you know, I, I knew nothing of this film going into it. Mm. I went into completely blind. So, yeah. so seeing like Paul Tanter's name as the producer, I was like, okay, this could be interesting. And then seeing that Simon Phillips was in it, I'm thinking, you know, it sets up a certain expectation and the film is completely different to what you expect in that regard. You know, yeah. this is this is this is like the snowbound version of um, No Country for Old Men, basically. Yeah, but, kind but, of. But, but well. somebody sort of like, you know, dropped all the, the scenes and mixed them all up and put, mm. you know, when they put them back together again. It's it's this sort of very elegiac kind of thing. You know, um, or, yeah. you know, a simple plan or something like that. It's one of these cases where somebody finds something valuable and it sets off this chain of, like, violent events. You know, it's like there's no way you're going to be told of it. That was the thing to me. It just seemed, why did it set off this chain of events? Mm. You know, it, yeah. all, it seems all, all you know is, is it's a box with some coins in it and it just doesn't... But, yeah, and you're absolutely right because we we got this prologue at the beginning which seems to be set, like, in... The old west, mm. you know, the guy riding a horse, sort of thing. Yeah. You know, and he tracks down this guy who's stolen the box, kills him, takes the box home, and then it it turns up on this guy's farm. You know, the other thing is the reason he finds it is because his dog's been killed, and he's burying it in the in the backyard, and then he discovers the box in the hole. But what killed his dog? You know. It looks like it died a violent death. What killed it? We we have no idea. Yeah. No, no, no one bothers to ask the question. And then when he when he finds the box, he goes, "Better bury this again." So he buries it without burying the dog. Yeah, <laughs> the whole point of burying the oh god. Well, um, well that's what. Yeah. And then you get like halfway through it, that Bronwyn gets in a car, mm. and she's looking through some like evidence envelopes or something. And there's a note saying, "Oh." It's the same gun that killed yeah, your father. By the way, which, which gun? Yeah, exactly. you know, there's that many different guns, and mm. it was, it was like they took the script, mm. film, filmed half of it, and just left half the rest of the scenes out, so it just didn't. It, it feels like there was another film together. There's another film yeah. there that hasn't been made. Yeah, yeah. The and it know, was just frustrating. It really frustrated me with it, and it. Just I couldn't couldn't gel with it at all. It was just an, a, annoying at the end. To be fair, it is it is a bit annoying. I agree with the editing and the, and the way you know you think you're done with something. I think okay, they they decided to skip over that bit and then they go mm. back to it. Oh, okay, and then you get this sort of ending, which is you know sort of pretty bleak. But it, again, it's still quite open ended. I don't know he does sort of die. Again, that's the thing because you don't spend mm. any time getting to know the, the characters really or mm. the motivation. You, I didn't give a shit, to be fair. You know, it was just like, all right, yeah, okay, that's quite not a nice thing, but mm. the didn't care about him. No, there's, there's two things I did like. No, there's one thing I did like, one thing I didn't. One thing I did like, and it's pretty gruesome is when they go to the guy's house and, and grab his wife 
Um, mm. You know, they sort of slap her around a bit and then kill her, but it, it's all done off, off screen. But her screams are mm. very vivid, vivid. And I thought, okay, yeah, yeah. you know, well done on that point because you really sort of conveyed the nastiness of the situation. Um, the one thing I didn't like and was Simon Phillips. He, uh, as much as I do like him as an actor, he was not the right fit for this film at all. And, uh, and the script didn't really do him justice either. So, you no, know, I don't the, think the script did, but the, the grab, uh, the grab, it's this whole bit where they grab this guy, put, put a bag over his head, and take him out into mm. the woods, and they tell the new guy, Joel, he's got to kill him. Yeah. And it's all this like, right, I'm going to count to three. If you don't kill him, I'll kill you, and then I'll kill him. And it's like, one, two, two and a half. Yeah. I mean it. I mean it. I'm going to kill you. Yeah, you know, it's like, oh, God. You know, it's, it's that sort of level of ineptitude. It sort of takes away the, you know, the, the, the fierceness of the characters, you know, the, the mm. fearfulness for them. It's like, oh, you, you're a bunch of bloody three stooges, you know, yeah. which is a shame. Yeah. Because the rest of it is is pretty damn nasty. Yeah, but I mean, I to be fair, I thought I didn't think he was that bad in it. You know, the script yeah, laying right. down. Yeah, but mm-hmm. the script laying down, but he's okay. But, but, but like I say, he's the only one that he says anything. Nobody else speaks hardly. Hardly. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that main guy Wade. I don't. I can't remember him saying anything except when he throws her the gun. Hmm. And tells her what to do. You know that that was kind yeah, of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was an interesting bit that as well because he's sort of you know mirroring what they said mm. when he was when he was in that situation. You know? Yeah, well, I was sort of watching that bit as well. I'm thinking, well, if that was my wife, I'd, I'd be dead before you said one because <laughs> <laughs> it, it was like what? So it's either me and the baby or it's him. Like it's him. Yeah, yeah you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we often say, like, if I'm ever kidnapped and held for ransom, I, I might as well just tell them, like, like, no, just kill me now, mate. You're not getting a penny. <laughs> she, she won't pay. It's just too sensible. But, yeah. Anyway, um, how are you going to score this one, mate? I'll give it a five. Mm-hmm. I'm a bit better than you. I'm going to give it a six. It's just short of a seven, this one. Uh, as I said, I did look like it. I, you know, re- really like the mood of it. Um but it shoots itself in the foot with its, you know, its time jumping. And it, it really does feel like someone just sort of shuffled the scenes and put them in any old order yeah. a little bit, which is a shame. But yeah, it's a solid little film overall. Um, so there you go, a five and a six for uh, Cold Vengeance. It's also known as um, Ash and Dust, I believe. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep, Ash and Dust. Um, But yeah, go check it out. Our next review is When the Screaming Starts. When Norman Graysmith is invited into the home of aspiring serial killer Aidan Mendel, he believes he has the subject for the documentary that will make his career. Um, There have been various films like this steve i mean you know we yep. live in the shadows is, is a perfect example of what this is going for um mm. there is the oh, what was it called now the, the leslie vernon story have you seen that one i can't remember what the, the no, actual title uh, is. is it behind the mask behind the mask that's uh, oh, behind yeah. the mask or something yeah. yeah which is which is the sort of 
a more successful serial killer be, being documented, you know, um, someone who actually knows what he's doing. That that was very good as well. Um, I, I I did like a lot of this. I think again, I think it's a bit too long for its own good. Um, it's aiming for that sort of office kind of humour, you know, that sort of uncomfortable, yeah. sort of doltish, sort of lovable dolt kind of thing. Um, what did you make of it? I loved it. Hmm? I, I really, did, I really enjoyed this. I thought it, the humour was pitch black, hmm. um, and I know it's, it's kind of like a. Just remind me like a Louis Theroux documentary type thing. You know yes. what I mean? Even even the guy. I mean, the guy does look yeah. a bit like Louis Theroux, doesn't he? With, with a weird, yeah. with a bit of a wig on there. And but no, I thought it was hilarious. It really was. It was mm. so dark and mm. you know, we, we, I mean, it, it starts off with the bit with the cat, mm. and yeah. you know, where he shoots it accidentally. <laughs> you mm. know, it's going on. And it, mm-hmm. it's one of them where it sounds like a person, you know, he keeps coming in the garden, he keeps doing this, that, and he's, yeah, he's there, he's the cat. Mm. Yeah, which of the cat. Which of the cat, yeah. I, I aim my rifle at him, bang, oh shit, I've, I've killed him. <laughs> and, you know, he's, he is just like a little bumbling idiot. You know, there's no, there's no way he's going to become a serial killer. You know that. Yeah. And, when he you know starts to try to set up his like Manson type family, mm. sends them out while he's you know while he stays at home, and they're like, well, you know, why didn't you come? Why aren't you doing this? You're the one who set all this up. And yeah, I just I just really enjoyed it, and I thought the you know the twist at the end was quite good as well. Yes, um, yeah, I you know, took t- taking it into like is it man bites dog kind of territory, you know, that mm. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not seeing it, but I'm, you know, I don't know all about. Definitely had some. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was filmed really well. I like the characters as well. Mm-hmm. You know, a bit, bit cliche. You know, your cockney wide boy and your posh, stuck up, apes of family, and you know the, mm. the Norwegian twins or whatever they were. And I just, I just found myself laughing all the way through. <laughs> It, it was very good. There's some very good sort of like very well-timed um, sort of little, little little gags and things going mm. on. Uh, I thought, thought oh, it was very good. The bit where they're filming the, um, the music video for his old fan. Cannibal Death March. Yes. <laughs> you just see the woman picking a dog shit up in the background. <laughs> see, the thing is, I, I've watched videos like that. You know, I've seen bands. Oh, yeah. You know, having videos like that it yeah. is it is really funny. Yeah, it's spot on. You know, sort of like this death metal band play, playing in the park, and you can see people walking their dogs and stuff in the background. You know, yeah. kids playing football. It just looks uh, really really funny. The um, yeah, the, the two twins. I think that's a, a big nod to um, the Soska twins again. Yeah, um, I thought so. So Julian Jennifer's um, Soska. Um, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, but they were really good. Um, yeah, Catherine Bennett Fox, who played Julia, the um, you know the redhead, thought she was super. Mm. You know, re- really vampish, yeah. re- really sort of self-assured sort of character. Um, yeah, yeah, I thought I thought it worked really really well. Um, yeah, overall pretty damn good this one. How are you going to score it? 
I'll give it an eight. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a seven overall. So an eight and a seven for when the screaming starts. Go check it out. Our next review is Control. A woman called Eileen finds herself imprisoned in a strange cell and forced to complete a series of increasingly difficult tasks in order to save her young daughter. Um, I, I wasn't entirely sure about this one when it kicked off, mainly because mm-hmm. I wasn't entirely sure about Eileen as a character. Um, too much sort of like, oh, what am I doing here? I don't know. Who are you? What do you want me to do? You know, it's like, okay, fine, yeah. get a grip. You know, but having said that, um, it builds and builds really, really well. Uh, the set design is is very good. The, you know, the, the 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 way the puzzles are set out. You know, the first one, you've got to move a pencil. Okay, stand up, just move mm-hmm. the pencil. Next one, oh, you're now chained to the chair. Now try and move the pencil. You know, it's all this sort of stuff. Um, I thought it was really good. And then when you know, just as she's sort of getting a grip of what's going on, they throw in the husband, <laughs> which which yep. I thought was very amusing because clearly he's not there to help yeah <laughs> he's you know mm-hmm. they, they didn't think oh shit, he might be you know at first you're sort of thinking oh maybe he's going to be able to provide a sort of second pair of eyes and sort of you know but uh, anything like that but no he, he he's just an asshole basically <laughs> he's just there to sort of drag her down um yeah I, th- I thought this worked really really well overall um how about you yeah I did um it's you know basically cube in the same cube rather than moving mm. about um and less gory deaths i suppose but mm. um yeah it's one of them that actually holds the intrigue you know you're wondering why is she in there she's basically told that if she fails then her daughter's going to die mm. and then you know they knock her out in between and she's getting these flashbacks to her and on the beach with her daughter mm. and then the husband turns up and hey, you know he's a bit of a dick. You know? and he starts he's gaslighting just... her straight away, isn't he? Yeah, oh, this is yeah. impossible. This can't be what you say it is. And all this. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, to be fair, it doesn't really explain what's actually going on, really. You know, you get mm. hints at the end and whatever. And I did like the ending as well, to be fair. I thought that mm-hmm. was a decent twist. Yeah. I didn't really see that coming until... Mm. You know what happens happens. Um, but overall, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's pretty simple, pretty you know, basic sets, whatever. Well, it, it's basically one set, really, which we have been getting we know, have, quite a lot. Uh, yeah, recently, exactly. But yeah. this uses it as an advantage rather than a disadvantage, and it works works well. And I, I actually thought the effects were pretty good as well. You know, like. Mm. When the gun, the guns building, and that was really stuff good, like yeah. that. Yeah, I thought it was done really, really well. And mm. even, yeah, even the voiceover work of the actual computer yeah. or whatever was, was pretty decent as well. So, all yeah. in all, yeah, yeah, totally decent. agree with enjoyed you. This. Yeah, um, enjoyed the soundtrack as well. Um, mm. for this one, it, you know, it built it builds nicely in the right places. I uh, thought that was done really well. A guy called uh, James Findlay. He's responsible. Yeah. And did a good job. Uh, cinematography, you know, the lighting, the colour design, you know, d- does a really good job of giving the whole thing a bit of polish, even though 
you know, the film, as you said, is mainly set within that cell. Um, you know, we, we do go outside of it for the sort of the last 10 minutes or so. Uh, but mostly we're literally just in this this, you know, this this one room. Um, and, and they keep it interesting all the way through. You know, you, yeah. you, you, um, you know, your interest isn't sort of flagging at all. Um, I, I did have one kind of niggle yeah. um, towards the end um, because it seems that, you know, the powers that be don't have any proper contingency in place for when things go wrong. It's just like sending wave after wave of soldiers to die basically yeah well, but yes you're right i know you're going to take because because you know it does answer that question because you think well why on earth would they you know there, there is an answer hidden away in mm. the, you know in there it's very mm. quick and and you know at first i wasn't sure but yeah i understood what, yeah. what, what it was yeah. was happening so yeah this this is you know it's it's one of those nice very very tightly contained uh sort of sci-fi movies you know we've seen a few um but but this works really well um and it's directed by a guy called james mark and i've been looking at his filmography and there's, there's a couple of films in there um there's one called on the ropes which i really want to see it's about these two indian brothers who are like part of a crime family and it, it does look really good uh, and an another one which i'm aware of but i haven't seen called kill order which um, yeah about this kid who sort of like finds that he's got like mutant powers and stuff. So yeah, a very interesting sort of um, filmography this guy's sort of got. Mm. But uh, definitely okay. How are you going to score this one? I'll give it a seven. Yeah, definitely a seven. Uh, two sevens for Control. Uh, this is you know definitely worth checking out. Our final main review is Witness Infection. Two rival mob families are transferred from the Witness Protection Agency by mistake to the same city, Temecula, California. As young Carlo is sucked into a crazy situation to conjoin the two rival families, an outbreak of tainted sausage meat turns the small town into pustulant flesh-eating zombies. I'm the only person who's seen this one this week. Um, and I really enjoyed it. It it starts off with this with these two guys out hunting, and um, something happens to them. But it basically, um, this tainted meat gets into the food chain. This local sausage maker um, who's supplying all the all, all the Italian families with this um, you know tainted meat, and it, it sets things off. But it takes a long time for that plot point to actually develop after that initial prologue what we get for like a good sort of 20 30 minutes is this sort of um it's almost like a farce you know the film oscar with mm. um to west Stallone? yeah it's I'm a bit like it. it's it's <laughs> kind of like that where you got carlo you know these 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 two mob families being relocated to the same crappy town and carlo is the younger son of one of the families and he's working in a dog grooming place with it and you know he's got the hots for the for the one of his um uh workmates who's also attracted to him but he's told by his dad that he's got to marry his older brother's fiance who belongs to this other crime family and he's got to do it this weekend and he's got to get her pregnant 
because <laughs> apparently, because his older brother is is a bit of a, a steroid nut, and the steroids have left him sterile, basically. So he's firing blanks. So so you know, in order to to appease his other family, he's got to do this, and he does, obviously doesn't want to, but he, he he's kind of forced into it. He goes on this road trip with his um, you know, erstwhile girlfriend, and his his brother is it brother or cousin? Yeah, his cousin. Uh, to go to this other family's house. In the meantime, everyone's getting affected by this rotten meat or, or whatever, and turning to these, sort of these zombies. Um, so, so the second half of the film is is this sort of, um, you know, this kind of zomcom where they're sort of going from place to place and uh, uh, getting into hijinks. You know, it, it is it works really well. I have to say, there's some some good sort of in jokes, a lot, lot of references to other films. You know, even things like the Indiana Jones trilogy gets gets a mention because uh, um, I think the, the the cousin's a bit of a film nut. There's a brilliant role for this. I can't remember the name of the actress, but she's she looks like a young Pam Greer, and she's sort of adamant that she's not going to be the the one black guy. You know, the, the one black person who's going to die in a zombie movie, basically. <laughs> yeah, she's come Rose. Up. Yeah, Rose. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's she's really good, and and he, he kind of expecting her to die as a result, you know, thinking, oh how ironic, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, um, but she she's really good in her, her scene, yeah. It it's a fun movie. It does get pretty, um, you know, if if you're not into sort of gory stuff and and pus and things like this, it gets a bit. But but I th- I can see this being a really good Friday night after the pub sort of beer and pizza movie. You know, um, yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. I, I, I really did enjoy this. It, as I said, you know, the zombie stuff takes a while to get going because he, he just got these brilliant conversations with 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 his family. Um, just really funny. This is, um, I think, it's his sister-in-law just spouting off because um, this aerobics instructor looked at her husband or something, and oh, just these expletives just coming out of her mouth about it. It's just really, really funny. So yeah, witness infection. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it's worth checking out, especially with a few beers and pizzas with your mates. If you liked uh, Zombievers, this is the kind of thing it's going for. I think you know that that sort of level. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you go. That's witness infection, and I'm going to score it seven out of ten. Our short shot this week is No Disintegrations. In case you didn't realise, this is a Star Wars fan film. Uh, The title obviously refers to a line that Vader tells to um, the bounty hunters, in particular Boba Fett, uh, in the middle of uh, Empire Strikes Back when he's sending them off to look look for Han Solo. Um, And the film follows uh, Boba Fett and two other bounty hunters, uh, Dengar and Bosk, um, as they meet on this in this uh, bar, uh, and sort Boba Fett sort of fills in what happened back on Coruscant when it, when he did have to disintegrate um, these um, three uh, rebel uh, rebel spies, and we get a decent little sort of fight scene there. And then it's sort of like it sort of cuts back, and it's it's it turns out to be just setting us up for a bigger adventure, which obviously hasn't been filmed yet. Which is a bit of a shame because I I did like this a lot. I think 
some of the some of the dialogue needed a bit tightening tightening up, but I think production wise, this looked really good. Um, I loved the you know the the the, the bar and the, the characters that were coming in. You know, it's definitely you know huge nods to you know the uh, Mos Eisley Saloon, but um, it's its own thing, and there's his own you know different sort of interactions and things going on. I really like the barman. Just so that you know, somebody comes in and goes, "Hey, there he is! Yeah, I get you a drink and all this sort of stuff." You know, it, it just made it feel like a like a real place, which I, which I really enjoyed. Um, how do you like this one, mate? Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, the makeup and the costumes, were spot on. You know, They're very good. Really, yeah, yeah. yeah, really, really good. I'd say the only thing that got it up, yeah, a bit of the dialogue was a little bit rough, but I just mm. thought some of the action was a little bit. Mm-hmm. A little bit amateurish, you know. It's not. Yeah, I think I think it's a, maybe maybe just it, a bit sort of tighter editing, really. Just sort of yeah, know, that's yeah. Probably what it what it really needed. Probably yeah. yeah. Um, but apart from that, I thought it was great. I mean, I was so surprised with, like I said, the costumes, the mm. the makeup. You know, even even the Vader costume, it looked like they just walked off the set of Rogue. Oh no, and and you yeah, know. and the guy who did the voice for it as well, yeah. um, and Andrew Nolenberg, thought he did yeah. a really good job of um, conveying sort of Vader's voice. Yeah, I thought and that even the you know the guy playing Boba Fett thought he was mm-hmm. great. Um, very impressed. It looked almost professional. You know what I mean? Right yeah, now, yeah, no, absolutely. Traveling the fan film. Um, but no, I really enjoyed it. It was mm. the shock to how good it, how well made it was in a way, mm. you know. There was um... sometimes, sometimes the fan films. I mean, they don't look great, but the story's good. You remember, like the Star Trek one we watched a while mm. back. Oh, the Polish one. I think it was. Yeah, uh, I can't remember. It was, but, it, was, it, was, it was like a full film, you know. Yeah. But it was all all in Polish yeah. or, or Romanian or something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the the effects were terrible, but the story was actually pretty damn good. Mm. You know, and I yeah. know oh, that was different. Yeah, that was a different one. Yeah, that that was a good one. Yeah, mm. but it, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I I did as well. I thought, I mean, especially the guy playing Boba Fett. There's there's a really good bit when um, uh, Bosk turns up. I think it's I think it's Bosk. No, uh, Dengar. Sorry, um, mm. the one with the sort of towel wrapped around his head. And yeah, he, and he turns up on Coruscant and goes, "Where, where, where are the, you know, the, um, the rebels?" And he sort of Boba Fett, he just gives the most imperceptible nod to the, you know, he just tilts his head ever so slightly, going mm. that, you know, there. It, it was just so well done, you know, very <laughs> just so precise. Yeah, um, you know, which which I thought was superb. Yeah, no, I thought I thought this worked really well. Um, you know, I, I've. Boba Fett's gadgets, the way, the way he sort of takes apart those, you know, the rebel soldiers mm. and things. I thought, I thought it worked really well. Yeah, uh, roll on the next bit, basically. We, we, we want yeah, to see more from so. these guys. Absolutely. Um, directed by a guy called Roman Santa Cruz. I'm, I'm ruining your name. Sorry about that, mate. Um, <laughs> but he's, you know, he's worked on things like Doom Patrol, um, Den of Thieves, Stranger Things. Yeah. Um, in, in various roles, you know, he's um, yeah, got got a very impressive 
um, resume on 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 IMDb. Um, yeah, this this is great. Give it, give us an expert, please. Yeah, <laughs> you want to see more of these guys. Um, we don't score the uh, shorts, but we do recommend you check them out, and you will find a link to this in the footnotes below. Go check it out. Our DTV throwback this week is The Numbers Station. A disgraced Black Ops agent is dispatched to a remote CIA broadcast station to protect a code operator. Soon they find themselves in a life or death struggle to stop a deadly plot before it's too late. I really like this film, Steve. Um, I'm a big fan of early John Cusack. Uh, you know, when he was doing films yeah. like One, One Crazy Summer, The Sure Thing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, say anything. Head, say anything. Yeah, exactly. All that good stuff. Then he went all conservative, and it's like, okay, you're a bit, you're a bit of a bore, basically. But um, I thought this was very solid. You know, it's it's not a me- mega budget film, but it, I think it uses its locations really well. Um, got a good yeah. cast with Maylie um, Ackerman and Liam Cunningham as as his boss. Um, and and the whole thing about number stations, I mean, they they are a real thing. I mean, you know, yeah. This this film comes up with its own interpretation of what they are, but you know, the the, the general consensus is that no one really knows what the number stations are for, but they you know they do exist, and you can sort of track them down on on various shortwave radio and all this sort of stuff. Um, there's still various ones, you know, broadcasting on on specific times. Um, just just spouting the same stuff over and over again, which is uh, all all very strange. So so you know, it's, it's an intriguing sort of premise that they sort of hook into. How do you, how do you make this one? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, you're right with the what you say about the number station. And when it started, I thought, well, okay, what are they going to do with it? And I thought it worked really well. You know, the way their explanation for it does work well. Mm. And I I like the fact that it didn't go try and go too bombastic, if you know what I mean. Mm. The the ending, okay, you get like one explosion and that's it really. But even after that, you've still got a little bit more, you know, in, in the car. Yeah. And again, it doesn't go too overboard. It's nice and realistic in a way you know mm-hmm. it's not too not like you know a good day to die hard where it's just john mcclain becomes superman and kills everyone going mm-hmm. it's just nice simple and i really i thought my Marlon ackerman was good mm-hmm. uh liam cunningham i i think he steals it me you know yeah. i think I, I like him anyway, but yeah. in this, he's just no nonsense, no bullshit. Bang, 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 saw it. So, you know, and it, it works really well. It, it elevates um, it, doesn't it? You know, having someone yeah. like that in there, it sort of, almost sort of legitimises it a bit. It's like, oh, yeah, mm. we're, we're that level of acting. Is, uh, yeah. <laughs> very yeah. <good. laughs> and, you know, the first bit where it gets disgraced, you know, it, it's, it's quite kind of harrowing in a way, you know. Mm. Yeah, definitely. It's also interesting with, with with his character is, you know, because he's so he's sort of living in the grey so much. Mm-hmm. Um, you you don't 
you're not fully sure which way he's going to go because yeah. you know his you know ulterior motive is to protect the, the code and if that yeah. means if that means killing her that's you know that's um job done sort of thing you know so so yeah you know you, you kind of on your on the edge of your seat so wondering and there's that okay. like dream not dream sequence but you know where he does yeah, exactly. It's like it's like. Well, what if I? What if I? I, yeah. I did this. You know, exactly. Yeah. And it, you know, that that kind of keeps you guessing. You know, even more. As it, yeah. As it, as it goes on through the film, but yeah, it's nice. I mean, it, I don't. Was it actually shot in England? Because it looks it, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It looks at um, you know that that sort of base that they're filming on with the, with the sub bunkers covered over in in grass yeah. and that. Yeah, it does look sort of very familiar. Yeah, actually, it, it kind of reminds me of um, uh, one shot. In 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 you know, if if you imagine, it was set outside instead of in the bunker. You know, mm. it's sort of quite similar to that. Uh, yeah, it actually was. It was filmed in Suffolk. All right. Uh, this is directed by a guy called Casper Barford. Um, he's Danish. Um, decent sort of looking sort of filmography he's been involved in quite a few bits the thing that sort of stands out for me is he was involved in a tv series called dicta which i really liked it's um danish series about a female reporter uh sort of an investigative reporter there was a really good series i think i lasted three mm. series three seasons um it was on channel four for a while on, um, but but it is very good so no, i've never yeah. seen that no yeah, it's a pretty good one. So yeah, this is this is solid stuff. Um, you know, it's a breath of fresh air after some of the the dross we have watched recently. Bruce Willis. Mm. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> it, it's it's nice to see something sort of filmed properly with with actual moving cameras and you know um, sort of a bit of fluidity to it. So yeah, uh, this is definitely worth. Oh, he did, he did some of the Chestnut Man as well, which is uh, interesting. Did you see that one? No, that's, that's on Netflix. That was a good one. Yeah, okay, so I digress. But yeah, this is definitely worth checking out. It's on um, Amazon Prime, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, on Amazon Yeah, it was, Prime. yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, definitely worth checking out if you haven't already seen it. And that is the end of this week's show. So thanks to Rich and Steve for joining me. We did have uh, some really good films this week to talk about. Um, don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Twitter at the DTV Digest. Also, our Short Shots uh, Twitter page and sister um, podcast, where Rich and I take a look at um, the latest bunch of short films. Um, other than that, thank you for listening. Tune in next time. Listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time.